0: You're listening to The GNU World Order, episode 389, and in this episode, we're going to talk about The Devastator, number three, and Tmux, the terminal multiplexer. So let's first talk about The Devastator, number three. What is a Devastator, number three? Well, Devastator, number three, is uh, the third, I guess, iteration of The Devastator keyboard and mouse from Cooler Master. This is um, a lot more hardware than you're used to hearing about on this podcast, I realize that, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Hardware compatibility is always a concern. No matter what operating system you're running, you want to make sure that the peripheral that you're about to purchase actually works with your operating system. Not everything is super clear about that, so the keyboard that I was getting, I needed a backlight. That was specifically what I needed a keyboard for, because sometimes my office gets rather dark, especially in the early morning or late at night because there's no sun up. And so I realized that one thing that I would really quite like is a keyboard with a backlight, which I've never really had. I mean, I've had them on laptops, but for a desktop, I've never had them. But I don't have a lamp in my office yet. I mean, I assume I'll get one at some point in my life, but right now I don't. And so I I decided, wouldn't it be nice to have a keyboard with a backlight so i don't have to turn on the the big light, but I can still see what I'm doing. And the the one that came to my attention was this Devastator three by Cooler Master. And Cooler Master is this company that makes PC parts, like the PC case, the, the cases, the towers, um, fans, and I don't know whatever else. So it was a brand that I kind of trust. I I've been using their I've been purchasing Cooler Master parts for a while now. Ever since I've been building PCs, which really is not that long. Actually, it's 2010. But I mean, you know, they were I don't know. They've been good to me. I've 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 enjoyed their product. So I I decided that a keyboard by them seemed like a reasonable re- something to try. This keyboard was also the right price. It was under a hundred dollars New Zealand dollars. Uh, I think it was about seventy. Again, that's New Zealand. So it would be less in U.S. dollars or euros, I, I imagine. And it had a backlight. That was that was part of the appeal. And it is. Um, specifically marketed as a gaming keyboard and mouse combo with seven brilliant colors, which actually I quite like. I'm kind of a sucker for flashy, sort of obscenely gaudy kind of PCs. I, I really... I quite like that look. Um, I, I don't have near enough LEDs on my on my tower, to be honest, and, and that's a constant source of disappointment for me. So I thought, well some LEDs on my keyboard and mouse would be amazing. So just for looks, you know, I mean I, I also need the backlight on the keyboard, but if I can if I can make my my setup look a little bit more high tech and, and gamer and sci fi, why not? So I, I purchased this thing and thinking that I'm hoping that the backlights work from Linux. And I, I saw online a couple of things that made me think that it would. I got I didn't get flat out confirmation, but I, I got I got indications based on questions being asked in forums and answers being being provided. I was getting the feeling that people on Linux were using the Devastator two. And I I think I saw some things about Devastator three, so I thought, okay, well, it seems pretty safe, so purchased the thing it came in the mail from right here from uh wellington and uh, f- it it plugged it into my tower and it works exactly as as you would hope. So the keyboard is nice and sort of big and chunky. It's a big keyboard. It is it looks like a mechanical keyboard. Technically it's not apparently. It is I don't know what they called it pseudo mechanical or some something like that to indicate that it's not really mechanical. So if you if you are a, a real snob about your keyboard and how it feels apparently this is not what you're looking for. This is not the mechanical solution that you're looking for. But I mean, I didn't want to pay like $200 for a keyboard. That's that was not my goal. So I and and I'm not picky about the feel of my keyboards. I'm very very adaptable. My my old keyboard that the one that is now hooked up to my Raspberry Pi cluster uh, was basically a chiclet keyboard. Like it's one of those you know really really just like really ugly abhorrent kind of keyboards that people hate. And I never even gave it a second thought. It was just a keyboard to me. So. Don't care about that stuff all that much. This one feels to me like a mechanical keyboard. It looks like a mechanical keyboard. Apparently, according to people, to angry people in angry comments, it is not truly mechanical. So be warned about that. But in terms of what I actually need it to do, which is type words into my computer and also provide a backlight during um, times when I don't have light otherwise in my office, it works perfectly. Uh, it it has the full set of keys that you would expect. It has got Multimedia keys for stop, play, pause, forward, backwards, and then it has multi—not um, multi—volume um, keys, which is nice. I haven't had uh, had again laptops with those keys, dedicated volume keys, but I have not on the uh, desktop, so that that was quite nice. And um, the mouse has three buttons—you know, well, two buttons and then the middle mouse wheel—and it all pretty much works as you would expect. The very nice thing about this and I know some people get these kinds of keyboards because the LED arrays are fully programmable, and you can uh, make them do all kinds of weird things, and they can be dancing lights as you type, and so on. I was not interested in any of that. I've Played around in, with enough LED strips at this point in my life that I, I get what's possible. I don't need it on my keyboard. O- on the keyboard that I, d- I very rarely even look at. So I, I really just I just needed it such that when I did look down at my keyboard, I could see what key is in front of me. That sort of thing. So the the LEDs are separate on this from your OS. There is a dedicated key on the keyboard to turn on or off the LEDs. And if you, cy- you can cycle through them eight different eight different stops Uh, there are seven colors and then there's the off position and that works no matter what doesn't matter what OS it doesn't matter as long as it has power that button works it is embedded and it simply is a key to control the backlight the same goes for the mouse there's a dedicated button on the mouse just under the scroll wheel, so it doesn't, you don't accidentally click it or anything like that when you're just moving your mouse around, and it, it changes what color of light or just turns the light off uh, within the mouse. Really, really nice. Um, and again, this would probably be not a feature for a lot of people, and I get that. And I did, I have read online that apparently there's a little command called X set which you could feasibly control LEDs um, with through, through just a terminal. I have not really played around with that yet, so I cannot confirm that that would control this keyboard's LED, the backlighting on this keyboard. Probably would, I guess, I don't know. But the the great thing about it for me is that I don't have to worry about it, it's not hooked up to the OS, it is a completely separate thing, uh, which is great, because that means I can switch the color to suit my mood, it's really nice. I have it um, set to red, usually, in the mornings when I'm at work, and then I switch it over to green or something if I'm playing a game, or something else if I'm just typing, so it's it's fun, it's, it's a nice sort of trivial thing that you can do to kind of jazz up your desktop, uh, your, your physical desktop, and uh, it's functional as well because you can actually see the keys. Now you can turn it off completely, which actually is also quite nice for during the day because, um, once again, I don't really look at my keyboard and so I don't really need to see what's written on it uh, during the day. As long as I can just see which, you know, where where a certain button is, then that's that's nice. Uh, so yeah, it's basically everything I need it to be. And um, for 70 New Zealand dollars, that is exactly the kind of experience that I wanted. Last and certainly not least, the super key, which people out in the real world call the Windows key, because there's a big Windows logo on it typically, is not a Windows key on this keyboard. It is a Cooler Master Key. And this is literally one of the biggest selling points for me, because I'm just—it's—it's it's not that I—it's not that I can't get over the fact that there's a Windows button on my keyboard. It's just that I can't quite get over that there's a Windows button on my keyboard. It's just something that has never really made sense to me. I don't understand why it has to be a Windows key, even for Windows. Like Windows is the OS, so why is there a key with a Windows on it? Like that doesn't make sense. Is that so that button? Does that button just activate your operating system or something? Like, why is it a Windows button? So it, it just kind of annoys me, especially since I've never been a Windows user in my life, and so why do I have all these keyboards with Windows keys on them? Uh, and so that's always bugged me just a little bit. Just a little bit. Not enough to keep me from buying a keyboard with a Windows button on it, but it it does annoy me. And this one from Cooler Master has just its, its uh, control, and then Cooler Master, and then Alt, and that's it. So it's got the little, it's got the keys that you would expect on the left of the spacebar, but instead of a Windows, it is the Cooler Master logo, which admittedly is not that exciting. It's sort of a stop sign looking thing with the words Cooler Master written in it. Um, but that's better than a Windows key. That at least makes more sense to me than a Windows button. The LED control is on the right of the spacebar, not immediately. It goes Alt FN. And then the LED light, uh, the LED key, uh, LED key, and then control. And that doesn't bother me. I was afraid it might bother me a little bit at first because I thought that I, I kind of, I do have certain expectations of what keys are going to be over on the right of my spacebar based entirely on what keys are there on my other keyboard, my former keyboard, the one on my, like, attached to my Pi cluster now. It turns out I, I guess I had no real expectations because I've, I have completely forgotten, like, right out of my mind. I I have no clue how I used to use keyboards. This is a completely new experience. My brain adapted very, very quickly. My muscle memory fell right back into sort of normal keyboard layout. Um, And that's it, so it's fine. I've reassigned the right Alt key to Compose, the FN key I don't really use, the LED key I use, the control key over on the right I don't really use either. So yeah, I guess that, that section I just don't actually use all that much anyway. And I mean, the, the point is that it's, this is a really, really nice keyboard. I mean, I, I yeah, it might be so far my favorite keyboard that I've owned, to be honest, which, uh, trust me, is not actually saying that much. I'm I'm not a keyboard snob. I really don't care much about keyboards, or mice for that matter. So don't don't think that I'm saying that this is, like, the most amazing thing, especially if you are a keyboard snob. I imagine if you're a keyboard snob, this will be not good enough for you. But for me, it is it is perfect. It is exactly what I'd hoped for. I, I really don't have any complaints. Now, the mouse um, looks really cool. I like it. It looks very, very high-tech uh, and, and sort of ridiculous. But there are two buttons on the right-hand side of it. Nope, left-hand side of it. And uh, those two buttons do not work. I mean, they they, they click... But they don't do anything. I've... Oh, that one actually did something. Okay, well, apparently... Oh, that was just accidental. That was coincidental. I have no idea how that worked. Why that worked. No, it does. It is working. It is doing something. Um, I just can't quite identify what that would be. I'll have to do more investigation into why it is bringing this button... This window into focus, but it's doing nothing else. Um, it registers as button eight and button nine there there are two buttons on the left it's button eight and button nine, which is odd because button one, two, and three are the top you know the the left mouse button, the middle click button the the middle the mouse wheel click and the the right button that's one, two, three. so I have no idea what these buttons eight and nine like whatever happened to four five six, and seven I, I don't know I may never know, but that's what if i if I run XEV or Zev, then, um, and, and press eight, these two buttons, that's what they, they register as button eight and nine, but nothing else seems to recognize them, well, until just now, when I, when apparently I click on a certain window, and that brings it into focus, I don't know why that's happening, it's really strange, yeah, so I'll, I'll have to mess around with that a little bit, I guess, but that's not really a deal breaker for me, because I didn't really need side buttons on my mouse, I, I don't, I don't know exactly what people do with those buttons. Uh and if it if it kills you that there are two buttons that you cannot assign uh then then again this this may not be the right one for you. This might not be the 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 mouse that you want. But for me it it just it looks fancy enough. It looks ridiculous enough just just ridiculous enough that that I quite enjoy that I quite enjoy having it. So, yeah, that's the Devastator 3 keyboard and mouse combo set. It works great with Linux. It's very very I'm sure mid-range keyboard level, so if you're a snob for keyboards and mice, do not do not venture into this territory, but if you just want something that looks cool, looks a little bit flashy, doesn't cost a whole lot, and works with Linux, this is a great purchase. That's it. That's the review of Devastator 3. Go get yourself a cup of coffee right now, just for good measure. talk about TMUX. TMUX, we've kind of, I think I've kind of mentioned it a little bit when I was talking about GNU Screen. It is a terminal multiplexer, and if you don't know what that is, that's okay, because I'm pretty sure they just made that up. But a terminal multiplexer, that's what we'll call it, I guess, is a system f- that provides essentially tabs, a tabbed interface without any tabs. So it's it, it's got layers, if, if you will, of of a terminal that kind of sit on top of each other. And you can flip through them, bringing one terminal or another into focus, or you can split them and then have one terminal on the left, one terminal on the right, and all of this is happening within just within your screen. So you now. If if you use it in a terminal emulator like Console or GNOME Terminal or, or whatever you're using, then that that seems almost not. It almost seems like it's redundant because all of those terminal most terminal emulators these days have a tabbed interface already. So why would you need tmux? Well, of course tmux works just in a virtual console or a, yeah a, a, a console as well. A um, what is it called? A virtual console? Is that what they're called? Um, when you hit Control Alt F. 3 or whatever, you get taken to your console without a graphical interface running, tmux works there, and that's a big deal. tmux has a number of other advantages that just a simple tabbed interface cannot provide, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But first, we'll talk about how to use tmux, how to get get started with tmux. And I guess the first thing I'll do, actually, the other first thing I'll do, is I'll do a less on var log packages tmux just to make sure I'm not forgetting anything that's packaged here. Nope, I'm not. It is just user bin tmux, some some things that provide sample configuration uh, files, a man page, and that's about it. Okay, so if I do tmux, then I'm in... Oh... I'm way buried into a folder that I don't want to be in right now. Okay, let me get out of that. So now, tmux again. Now I'm in a tmux interface. And the way that you know you're in a tmux interface, I guess, would be that there's a bar across the bottom. And it tells you what your current, I guess your your current tab is is called. This one is 0, colon, bash. And it tells you your host name and the time and the date. And that's it. That's just a little status bar down at the bottom. If I do something like, I don't know, echo, hello it echoes back hello to me just like bash because it's just bash it's bash running in tmux okay so now what you can do is you can create a new tab by doing Control b and then the letter c so Control b and then take your hands off your keyboard and then hit c and that creates a new tab so it'll look to you like what you had on screen echo hello has vanished but it hasn't it's just You've just opened up a new tab, and and you can kind of prove that to yourself if you hit Control B again, B as in beta, and then N for next, November, next. Control B N, Control B N. You're flipping back and forth between tabs. Well, technically, you're just flipping forth, you're going forward through your tabs but you're cycling back around to the beginning right away. If you want to go literally back and forth, you can hit Control-B, oops, that's not the right application, there you go, Control-B, N for next, Control-B, and then P as in previous for the previous tab, so then you're actually flipping back and forth between the two tabs. So Control-B, as you're probably picking up, is kind of the trigger key, That's that's the command sequence That gets TMUX to start listening to what you're about to tell it. This is a lot better for default trigger key than GNU Screen, which inexplicably uses Control A. Control A, which is already occupied by Control A for go to the beginning of the sentence. Anyone who's used Bash or Emacs knows Control A takes you to the beginning of the line. GNU Screen clobbering that keyboard shortcut is inexplicable to me. I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they wouldn't have changed it. I don't know why they haven't changed it by now. It's really really weird. Anyway, control B that seems to be a, a lot more reasonable to me. I use control J for GNU screen. Uh, somehow I also remember that if I'm in tmux it's control B. I don't know how my my brain and my muscle memory doesn't collapse. With that, with that difference, but for some reason, that's something that I can manage. Can't manage anything else, like switching from Dvorak to Qwerty. But other things, it's completely fine. I'll never understand it. Okay. Anyway, um, or 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 using Vim with a Dvorak keyboard, no way, can't do it. But for some reason, Control B and Control J totally works. Okay. So um, there's another way to tell to tell Tmux what to do, and this is kind of the the less convenient way but it's still good to know about, because it kind of gives you a hint at, at, at how Tmux is actually being controlled. So I'm gonna hit control B, and then I'm gonna hit colon. And now my bottom status bar turns um, orange from green. I guess that would probably depend on your theming and stuff, but it, it turns orange, and you're at this sort of colon prompt, and you can do things like, I don't know, um, next window, and it takes you to the next window, just as you would expect. Or you could say previous window. Takes you to the previous window, I think. Did that work? Now I'm, I'm losing track. I only have two... Yeah, it did work again. I, I only have two tabs open, and I'm already losing track. But um, you can see in your status bar that, that a little asterisk appears by the tab that you have activated. So I've got 0 bash, dash, and 1 colon bash, asterisk. And that's kind of how I could tell that I'm actually switching tabs. I mean, I also have this echo hello in one of the tabs, but... Um, I just forgot. So that's that's kind of a hint as to what, what Tmux is actually sort of listening to. So your keyboard shortcuts are actually just... They're invoking little functions within Tmux that you can access directly with a prompt. But of course, for convenience, you're probably going to use the keyboard shortcuts. But I I always think it's nice to kind of, um, to understand what's behind the scenes, because then it's, I don't know, it's less magical, I guess. Splitting windows into panes is also something that you can do. So for instance, if you do a control B, and then a double quote, you split your window in half, and there's a horizontal line across laterally across your terminal and on on the top I've got one one terminal it happens to be 0bash the one with echo hello in it and then on the bottom, I've got this other window, uh, that, this other tab that I had opened, which has nothing in it, but they're both on the same screen together, and um, and with a horizontal split. You can do a vertical split as well, and that's Control-B followed by the percent sign. That's kind of an easy one to remember. The percent, you can kind of think of, that's, that's almost a vertical split. Uh, the double quote is a lot harder to remember. It took me a long time to remember that that was the... I, I don't know that I... I even today I rem- remember it off the top of my head, I think it's more something that I, I happen to know where it is on the Dvorak keyboard. So if I if I tried to do it on a QWERTY keyboard, I, I honestly i am not sure how long it would take me to figure out what I'm, I'm actually supposed to do. Now let's try to get from one pane to another within within this interface that we've now split, either horizontally or vertically, or, or who knows, maybe you did both. To so that, you do a Control-B, and then O for other. That is easy for me to remember because in Emacs it's the exact well it's not the exact, but it's basically the same thing. It's control X and then O to go to the next to the next split. I think that's what it is. That's what it feels like it is. If I wasn't saying it enough I was if I was just doing it then I would I would know for sure uh, what it was. Because my fingers would just make it happen. If you go crazy with your horizontal splits and your vertical splits and so on, and you get you tr- sort of get this big mess of stuff on the screen. Let me let me, let me try to emulate that really quick. Oops, here we go. Um, here we go. So I'll do a Control B um, percent here and a Control B quote there. Okay, so now I've got one, two, three, four panels on my screen. If you've got that if you, if you've got a bunch of splits going on, then in this view in this window with all these different panes, you can force it to take what's available and change and 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 change them. So for instance, control b alt 1 takes all of the open all of the panes that I have in in my window view and spread them out evenly horizontally across your window. You can do the same thing with alt uh, Control B and then Alt 2 gives you a vertical, sp- even vertical splits. Um, let's see, Control. I think I said that backwards. Or yeah, so Control Alt 2 gives you horizontal lines, meaning that it's stacking everything vertically in your window. Control B Alt 1 gives you horizontal, g- gives you vertical splits, meaning that you're 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 going to read each of your panes from left to right horizontally across your window. Control B Alt 3 makes a horizontal span for your main panel like the one that you're in. So if I go through a couple, there we go. Control and then alt, control b alt 3. That gives you sort of a ma- a big big wide window pane for the one that you're in and relegates the others to smaller panels uh, in your in your window going across your horizontal across your screen. Same same idea with control b Alt-4, except that your main panel becomes taller than it is wide, and to make up the difference, you've got all the other panels, or the panes, uh, off to the right. And then finally, 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 there's Control-B, Alt-5, which tiles your layout. Even even tiles in your window. So those are, those are handy little shortcuts, I guess. And uh, one of the nice things, too, is that you can navigate through your panels, sort of physically, like, where they are physically to one another. So, for instance, normally I might do Control-B-O, 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 and you kind of cycle through them from from left to right and then top to bottom. But if you're hanging out in the bottom, uh, bottom you know, southeast corner and you want to get to the northeast, well, sure, you could do a Control-B-O to get to the northwest and then control B. O to get to the northeast, but that's several iterations. Whereas what you could do instead is control B up arrow to go to the one that's physically above you. Control B left arrow to go to the one that's physically to your left, and so on. So that that's quite a nice feature that I I don't know I can't I can't say that that doesn't exist elsewhere, but I I, I had not seen it until Tmux. That's the user interface side of Tmux. Um, admittedly, that that's well in, in on one way in, in on one hand that's that's exactly the stuff that you'll use m- normally that that's one of the things that I, I I would imagine would be top of the list of why you would want to use or what you'll be doing all day rather in tmux but the the reason you might use tmux is because you are potentially connecting to another host and you want it to be you want you, you want tmux to be your session manager, essentially, and that's a that's a big one. I mean that that for me is kind of why I, th- I feel like that's kind of why you use GNU Screen, uh, or at least that's why I use GNU Screen. I mean it, it it isn't always like if you're if you're not running a a GUI, then you're using Screen or tmux because because that's just the smart thing to do. That's the convenient thing to do. No, actually, I'm going to go back to smart. That's the smart thing to do. Um, for instance, in you know if you're just running a virtual console there's stuff that you can't really do all that easily whereas GNU screen or tmux you have the ability to pop out of your console and kind of maneuver around your your workspace and and that's that's important that's a good that's a good feature sometimes so uh, GNU screen and tmux are are good for that but but you're also very frequently you're starting a job or something and you know that it's not going to finish while you're sitting in front of your computer so you think well i'll start it now i'll start it in a gnu screen or tmux window then i'll go home or, or i'll go have dinner or whatever and from from either you know the other room or from home to work or whatever um I'll just SSH in and and rejoin that session. It, it's kind of the poor man's demonizer. It, it, it's kind of you're you're just making a demon. You, it's making your your process a, a background process without actually backgrounding it. So I don't know if that's really a poor man's demonizer. It's more like. The luxurious demonizer. It makes things into a demon, but not in such a way that you that you lose. You know that it's that it's actually like backgrounded. It is just it's available to you. It's running in the background, and you can check in on it whenever you want to. It's perfect. So and and that's Canoe Screen or tmux. I mean, for me, in in many ways, they are those two things are basically are basically equal. So to to attach to a session of of tmux from somewhere else, well. You, so you would ssh into the box, right? and then you would, you would now you've got a new login prompt so to attach to that tmux instance you do tmux and then the word attach so just tmux space attach and then your session is now is now the tmux session you, you are now, you've rejoined tmux you can do a control b in for next and there's my echo hello and all the other windows that I, or all the other panes that I created and so on so, that's really useful. To get out of a TMUX session, you do Control b and then D, as in detach. That doesn't kill TMUX. TMUX is still running in the background. TMUX is pretty persistent. The only thing that really kills it is when you close out all of your, your windows and panes and, and things, then, then it will finally go away. So, in other words, if you just keep exiting out of every bash session that's open within Tmux, then you've ended your Tmux session. There are lots of little features in Tmux. I mean, I could probably go through really all of them eventually, but I won't. Uh, but I should mention at least that there are a bunch of little, little features that are quite appealing. They're, they're the one that finally, finally made me sort of realize that Tmux was worth defaulting to, and I think I mentioned this in my GNU screen episode but the the thing that finally made me realize that it was definitely just the smart one to default to and this is much in the same way as I was saying in the previous episode stop defaulting to man not previous the no was it the previous some previous episode I was saying don't default to man it's not a good application default to info it is a better application with potentially better documentation and this is kind of the same the same idea like they're both fine. They're both perfectly serviceable applications. Screen and Tmux. They're they're on the surface, they're basically the same thing. Man and info, basically the same thing. It's they're they're almost identical. And it the devil is in the details with those little things that are different, and you just think, oh, okay, this would be a smarter thing to have in case I needed it, just in case. I don't anticipate needing it, but when I do, boy will I be glad that that's what I'm using, that's what I'm familiar with. And it took me ages to realize that, and it wasn't until I was at a technical conference, stop me if you've heard this one before, I needed to show the the, the audience stuff that I was typing into a terminal, but I didn't want them to have to look at all the other stuff on my screen, and so I put one terminal up on the main, on the projector, and I typed into that terminal through mirroring tmux. And the way that you do that is you do tmux attach from s- some other session, and then just start moving around. So in on my screen right now, I've got console, the the KDE terminal open, on the right-hand side of my screen, and I've got you unicode rxvt urxvt on the left side of my con uh, of my screen and so tmux is running in in console and i've just attached to to that session in urxvt and now everything i'm doing in urxvt is happening on my screen in synchronized perfect synchronization in console so in other words you can attach to the same session and view what's going on in the other in in the other controlling terminal that seems like a, a kind of a useless feature but it's actually you know like once in a while it's actually super super useful but that's not it like that's not the only reason that i would that i would recommend using tmux by far um there there are other very great features such as um, synchronizing your panes. So let's say, for instance, that you've SSH'd into two separate or three. That's quite relevant to me right now um, because I have a three Raspberry Pi cluster that I'm building. So let's say you've SSH'd into three pain into three servers, and you want to run the same command on each server. There are lots of different ways to do with that, but one of the one of the big ways is with tmux. You open up your you SSH in in three different panes to each server, and then you hit control B colon, and then you type set W, that's S-E-T-W space synchronize dash panes. And now anything that you type into your, sort of your master pane is echoed by tmux into each other terminal. So you're not, it's not just a visual synchronization, it's actually echoing what you're typing into one pane to the other the other servers. And if, so if you hit, um, I don't know, echo hello world, and redirect that to uh, test.txt and hit return then on each of your servers there is now a file called test.txt containing the words hello world very 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 useful uh, in, in certain situations so that's tmux um, there are a couple of other things I mean I'm, I'm trying to think of, of useful things to talk about and like I say I could just go on and on but really ultimately the key is going to be to do a control B and then a question mark and that gives you all of the different key bindings for several of the different functions. Now, it doesn't it doesn't list all of the functions. Like, you're not gonna find set W synchronize dash panes with control B question mark. For that, you just kind of have to look, as far as I know, you have to just look through the documentation and, and discover set W values and so on. But for controlling it and kind of getting a feel for how the application itself, you know, th- that interface works, Control-B question mark is, is quite useful. That's how I found out about a bunch of things. I think splitting the panes was one, one thing. Uh, rotating a window pane around uh, your, your your layout. Uh, what else? Resizing panes. Things like that. So Control-B question mark. Really good reference to have. So yeah, bottom line, Tmux is, a, is the better application between GNU Screen and Tmux. It has just a couple more features that you're not likely to need on a regular basis, but as I said, should you ever need it, it will be there and you will know how to use them comfortably because you've been using TMUX this whole time. Don't... don't do what I did and use GNU Screen for 10 years because it's good enough and then suddenly have to switch to TMUX during a technical presentation because, oh my gosh, this application is so much more flexible. Don't do that. Just start using tmux now and get your man page for tmux by using info. Trust me. Okay, so that's that's everything I think that I have about tmux. It's everything that I have about Devastator 3. By letter of the law, I think I am finished this episode. However, we might as well try to take out a couple more applications in this Slackware package Selection. Next up is USB MUXD, as in daemon. USB MUXD is a kind of a back end application for connecting to, I think, iOS devices. And I don't mean iOS Cisco, I mean iOS Apple devices. A client daemon to multiplex connections from and to iOS devices. It is used by LibGpod, the USB MUXD. Homepage is libimobiledevice.org, deviceorg L-I-B-I-mobile-device.org. Okay, we'll open that link in a moment. So th- this is a, a back-end application, as it says. I don't anticipate myself ever having the opportunity for using this personally because I, I don't I don't actually have I, I don't have iOS devices, and I don't know really. I'm sure I know someone with an iOS device, but I, I don't know anyone with an iOS device that would be handing it to me to connect it to my computer. That doesn't mean I won't get one from a, a, a rubbish bin at some point. You never know. But, um, yeah, I tend to not be very interested in that sort of thing. So probably not going to use this anytime soon. There's basically one deliverable here. Well, two, I guess. So one is a UDEV rule, and then the other is a user SBIN usb muxd. I can do usb MUXD dash, dash help and I get dash dash... Foreground, do not demonize. Dash dash user, change to this user after startup, needs USB privileges. I guess that's when you're connecting to the device. Dash dash disable dash hot plug, disables automatic discovery of devices on hot plugging. Dash dash enable exit, enable dash dash exit request from other instances and exit automatically if no device is attached dash dash udev run in udev operation mode. So what this really translates to, according to its man page, which I'm viewing in info, info USB Mux D, it, it, it means that when you connect over USB MUXD to an iOS device, you are able to sync synchronize your music, contacts, photos and I guess whatever else lives on, you know, probably configuration files or data files, whatever else lives on that device, you're you're able to sync it to something on your host computer. Now, you would you'll need something to you'll need something to sync it to. There's no function in here to Perform that synchronization, or to you know, to mirror files and just to store it in a, a directory tree or anything like that. This is not, this isn't what that this does. And in fact, something like um, I guess libgpod or, or whatever would probably be the thing that you would you would be using to do that. And I I know nothing about any of that stuff because I just don't have those devices. I simply do not have access to iOS devices, thankfully. I mean, I get angry enough at Android devices, and it doesn't really seem to be, it doesn't really seem to matter all that much whether we're talking about Android or iOS. Mobile devices seem to be designed to make it the maximum difficulty to get your own data off of your own device onto another one of your own devices. I don't know why they need to make it this difficult. To this day, my, my favorite method of transferring data from a mobile device to a computer is to yank out the micro SD card and just sneaker net it from device to device. That just seems very, very archaic when they're both on the same network and they should be able to just share information seamlessly. I can authenticate on both of these devices, it shouldn't be this hard. And yet, somehow, these the the designers of these systems has made it unpleasant and difficult, and certainly not seamless. I mean, it's great that projects like this exist. That's, I guess, that's the bottom line. USB mux D exists, and so you you have some hope, I guess, for your your mobile device if you're stuck with an iOS device for work or whatever it might be. And people get stuck with 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 hardware that they don't necessarily love all the time. So USB MUX-D, great project, something I cannot use and hope to never have to use. Dear listener, we are getting dangerously close to the end of the AP software series in Slackware. We have VBE tool, Vim, Vorbis tools, Workbone, XFS Dump, and ZSH. That's six more applications in this list. VBE Tool, I think, is probably going to be a write-off. I I don't think I'm going to have a whole lot to say about that one, so it's almost like we only have five things. How exciting is that? We're almost through AP, and then we'll be off and looking into the D section of the Slackware software set, which contains a bunch of development tools. So, I don't know, four, four or five more episodes, I guess, probably, and then we'll be in the development section of Slackware. I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's clatu at as in Free Software Foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, GNU World and SlackerMedia.info. I will see you next time. video console will be channeled into the store of her choice there a camera will scan a display of wares which she will select by push button